the township is La Mission, and it's just north of Ensenada. They had lost numerous homes to wildfires or brush fires, and they do not have any equipment there or infrastructure to even protect their own homes or the people. So they reached out to us and, and said, if there any way you could get us a pumper truck. So through our charity, Firefighters of the Borders Canada, and the Wainwright Fire Department, um, we were able to locate a pumper truck. Episode 56, Eric Risen, Part 2 of Baja Racing. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Hey folks, this is Travis. So this is part two of the Eric Rison Baja Racing episode. If you haven't heard part one, go back to episode 55 and listen to that one first, and then come on back and listen to episode 56. Now let's get on with the rest of the interview. So how about a time or a, a, an event um, that may have happened that really wasn't, it didn't go how you had planned it? Oh, we've had lots of those. <laughs> we've had... <laughs> uh, we've had um, I mean, last year obviously didn't go as planned because of our mechanical problems. Uh, it's not a great story, but I mean, it's just a hardship of of the way it is and, and what we ended up. Um, when I raced the 500 in 2012, um, we had the, the driving split up with two drivers and our first driver um, ended up getting stuck by a bunch of other cars who were stuck in the silt beds and also ended up we ended up damaging the car and pulling off our entire protection our skid plate that protected our transmission and our engine our push rod tubes everything um we were racing for the championship then so when when i got in the car with my navigator um we were basically an hour and a half behind and we were um we saw the championship slipping away from us so i got on her pretty hard and we made a lot of ground caught up uh, and then at one point we, um, slid, we're drifting in a corner. My navigator yelled, uh, slow down, slow down. You know, he, he, he panicked cause he didn't see it early enough. And I, I tapped the brakes to slow down, but we were going in the corner so quick. We hit a rut and it basically picked the car up and basically pulled the rug out from underneath us. And we rolled in the air a few times, Ooh. crash landed on the roof rolled over and rolled down a bank basically hanging from our front wheels and it was probably a 150 to 200 foot drop uh at the end of that um we got pulled out of that within five minutes from some locals standing in that area knowing it was a very hazardous area and they pulled us up um we lost our lights on the top of the car we lost uh both doors were crushed closed so we had to exit and enter through the front front wind windshield area um we checked the car out it was fine we continued racing ran into i I can't even tell you how many problems we had there with other vehicles we got into an accident with uh, another trophy truck we had to pull the trophy truck off its side so we could clear the goat trail to get up past him um just endless problems 
and we, we fought through that. I think it was 11 hours. We were in the car and my navigator and myself, and we ended up third. So we secured some good points where wow. we, we would have thought, uh, we were completely out of the race, but, uh, we just kept going and, and, uh, <laughs> destroyed our car. It ended up pretty messed up at the end and we had to chop the roof off, get two new doors and a bunch of other little things, but it, uh, got put back together and then we raced the, the 1000 on that and, and ended up third on that one after actually we ended up second and that same year uh we were leading the race uh with 200 miles to go and our car began to self-destruct all our um metal frames were cracking the torsion tubes were cracking and to the extent where we couldn't shift gears because the linkage was binding the clutch cable was being shortened because the car was flexing in the middle um, we figured out a, a way to get around that by putting sockets on the end of the, uh, threaded part of the, the clutch cable. So we had a little more throw with the clutch, uh, <laughs> got the cars, we got the car so it would shift and, uh, we lost first place, but we ended up finishing in second with a completely destroyed race car. So it was, again, uh, the rewards when you finish a race with that kind of hardship was, uh, fantastic. But the first place eluded us once again. So we will try and try again. Yeah, but that's a pretty strong finish with that kind of uh, those kind of events going on. And that says a lot to the, the, the build of your car that you guys built a substantial car there to be able to endure that and still finish, would you say, second or third? Yeah, well, for the, the 1,000, when the car completely disintegrated, like 12 places in the frame and chassis were where the welds broke completely through or the torsion tube. We have three inch torsion tubes on there and they're completely sheared off on both sides. Wow. That was the second place. The rollover, we ended up third um, and the car ran fantastic. And we had to change our driving style too, because we didn't have any protection underneath. Normally with the design of the Volkswagen Beetle or most of the buggies, you have a, a pan underneath and then big skid plates underneath your engine and transmission. So and that's right down the middle of the car. So if there is a huge rock that you you can't get around, you kind of aim, you know, right dead center and it just, you know, the, the bottom of the car absorbs it or the metal protection plates absorb it. So when with those plates missing, you kind of have to send the impact points to your tires. So we ended up with four, I believe we had four or five uh, front tire um, failures. I shouldn't say failure because we were smashing rocks with them, but we right. had to change five tires and that's still, we were still able to finish um, in third place. I mean, I got to put a lot of credit on my navigator, Doug Cranenberg, who, who just did an amazing job making sure we didn't lose any time or as little time as we could with all these, uh, you know, situations that were thrown at us. Wow, that's great. So take some time and tell us more about the charities that you do this all for and, and who this benefits. Sure. Um, well, we're associated with a few charities. Vancouver Firefighter Charitable Society um, is one of the charitable societies that we work with directly with all the members at our on the Vancouver Fire Department. And basically the money that w we raise, that we give to them, goes to numerous charities throughout the city that they support. So it'll be like Raise a Reader, Burn Fund, Canuck House, you know, numerous charities that that those funds go to the other one that we're uh, supporting is firefighters without borders. And for us, that's very important because 
Uh, I don't know if you've traveled down the Baja, but there's a lot of remote little towns and obviously they don't have the funding uh, for proper fire suppression or life-saving equipment. And I, I think I've traveled the Baja, I'm going to guess 15 times now from top to bottom. And I have, every time I've traveled, I have unfortunately seen death or horrific accidents um, because of the nature of that road, condition of vehicles. And coming upon some of these accidents, they have no um, resources to, to help these people that normally wouldn't be, uh, you know, a life-threatening injury, but because they're trapped in a vehicle for an extended period of time, or they don't have the resources to get down to these people, um, rescue them, or proper equipment for spinal injuries, um, it, it means a lot for us to be able to support all these small communities that have no resources. So what we do is we take um, our equipment um, through firefighters of borders, uh, such as fire suppression equipment, turnout gear, uh, SCA bottles, uh, tools, um, and you know, like like for example, the jaws of life. Uh, very important to bring down there because there's a lot of vehicle accidents. Um, last year, we actually uh, had worked for about an entire year trying to get a pumper truck for a community that reached out to us. And they, it's the township is La Mission, and it's just north of Ensenada. And they had lost numerous homes to, uh, you know, wildfires or brush fires. And they do not have any equipment there or infrastructure to even protect their own homes or the people. So they reached out to us and, and said, if there any way you could get us a pumper truck. So through our charity, Firefighters of the Borders Canada, and the Wainwright Fire Department, um, we were able to locate a pumper truck, um, which is perfectly situated for, or you know, equipped and suited for a community that doesn't have the infrastructure as fire hydrants or you know, running water or pumping water. It has a humongous tank on it, set up for wildland fires. Uh, that truck was donated by uh, Wainwright Fire. Um, Ross Burden was instrumental in, in organizing that. We had to do numerous repairs to the vehicle. We had it shipped to Vancouver. We did some more repairs on it. Firefighters Without Borders equipped the entire vehicle with uh, firefighting outfits, uh, PPE, hoses, nozzles, axes, jaws of life, the entire gauntlet of equipment. Then we delivered the vehicle to Blaine, Washington, where it moved. It was transported on a flat deck to San Diego, and we were supposed to donate the vehicle to La Mission um, last year. Uh, unfortunately, it got held up at customs and the border, and um, it's been a, a little bit of a, a nightmare because paperwork was lost while it was down there. We've established another uh plan to get it over the border in the next month or so as fire season's approaching so we're actually doing a big fundraiser right now because we've been told that we need to come up with another uh, close to three thousand dollars to get it across for the brokerage fees and and transferring ownership into a u.s company so really? we're we we had a fundraiser a couple of weeks ago and that will cover the the money we raised will cover transferring the vehicle into getting a u.s title for that vehicle and then we have to get the brokerage fee. So we are doing through our web page and uh, our Facebook page. Hopefully on Saturday we can get it up and running. We're doing a pledge a thon and hopefully raise enough money 
to get that expedited immediately because uh, I've spoken with uh, some of the residents of La Mission and they're very anxious to get this vehicle because if there is a brush fire right now, it's getting hot down there. The season is coming close and we, we want to get this thing down as soon as possible. Um, the head president and owner of SCORE International, Roger Norman, uh, has been fantastic. Uh, and, and when we showed up, he actually offered us uh, the venue of the start-finish line to donate the vehicle from our charity to uh, the officials from La Mission. We had to break the news to him that unfortunately some paperwork was uh, incorrectly dealt with and the cars or the, the car, the pumper truck has been held up in customs. Um, he graciously offered to store the vehicle at his race facility and storage yard. And I hate to say it, but it's been there uh, ever since. Uh, and we're hoping to get it out in the next month or so, so we can donate the vehicle. But I'd really like to take this chance to thank Roger Norman and all his staff for being so fantastic and letting us store it there and, and score international as well for allowing us to present the vehicle at the awards ceremony, even though it didn't get presented, it got presented to the owners and we're just working on the last, the last leg of its journey. Um, we, we will continue to raise money. Um, we've probably brought, I mean, close to a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment down to numerous communities on the way down. Um, when we do a peninsula run, we will usually pack our trailer full of equipment and bring it to the certain townships that are, are requesting it. Um, we do have future plans to supply Ensenada and some of the other small towns. Um, it, it means a lot to us because as firefighters, they are our brothers as well. And I, I do feel for these people that don't have, um, the luxury of fully equipped fire trucks and rescue personnel to respond immediately. And I've seen it all firsthand and it, it, it's tragic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a uh, man. It's wonderful that you guys are doing that and it's too bad that it's getting held up. Um, but I, you know, yeah. let's get people to your website or you said you're going to do it on the website and on Facebook, correct? The, the fundraising. Yes, I, I do. I'm not a computer guy. So I have my uh, tech IT guy coming on Saturday to set that up. I had to clear things with uh, the charities to make sure this was kosher and everything was going to be acceptable. And um, everyone has been green light. Go ahead. This is fantastic. Let's get that fire truck donated uh, to the people. I actually was uh, this morning firing emails back and forth, arranging with the brokerage company and with uh, the people that are helping out down there. Um, you know, I said, we, we are sending the money we raised at the last fundraiser to get the car registered and hopefully, as soon as possible, the rest of it will be coming down to, to proceed with the brokerage fees to get into Mexico. So the sooner we raise the money, the sooner that truck gets uh, delivered. Awesome. Well, we will uh, we'll do our part to try and get people over to those sites. And uh, maybe maybe we can convince people to skip a Starbucks trip and, and throw a little money in your basket and try to get that. That would down be there. fantastic. Yeah, that would be fantastic. It doesn't take much, uh, you know. That's what but we we say. We have over over seven thousand fans uh, on our uh, Facebook page, and I said if everyone chips in a buck or fifty cents, that's all it takes, and we can get this truck delivered um, and even support it with some more uh, equipment. I, I do want to say one thing too, which I forgot to mention. Sure. Um, the off road community uh, jumped in huge to help us out here and, and everyone's been offering support and help, uh, you know, to move the vehicle or do work on the vehicle. 
uh, blacklisted customs did all the decal work for the vehicle from the sponsors that helped get the truck down here um, in the offer community rigid industries which is uh, uh, one of the best lighting companies that make the led lights for all the race cars boats uh, emergency vehicles they generously uh, donated close to three thousand dollars worth of scene lights for the bumper truck so when these when the pumper rolls up to a scene it has these amazing led scene lights that they can adjust and point on like let's just say there's a car rolled over down in a ditch or down a cliff or you know fighting fires on in in the bush they have these beautiful led lights on the front and rigid industries just you know just graciously said here what do you need what would make this the most effective vehicle they made some suggestions with a lot of the, the amazing equipment they have gave it all to us and we put it all on the fire truck so their equipment unfortunately has not been delivered yet either it's sitting waiting for this paperwork to be dealt with and oh man <laughs> so, so there's a lot of frustrated people right now we're all just sitting here going come on so we, we hope we hope it gets there and, and we know it will. We'll definitely see it through. It's just unfortunately there's been uh, peaks and valleys and ups and downs to get this thing in. And uh, it's just I guess it's just something we need to do. And definitely we'll know uh, a lot more uh, bringing the next vehicles in uh, now how it's going to work down there. And hopefully no one loses the paperwork again. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, you can count on a donation from me. I'll uh, I'll chip in, and hopefully we can drag some other people in and encourage them to do so. That's not uh, you know those donations from these other companies. This that's not to be taken lightly. This is not inexpensive equipment that they're, oh, they're no. putting up for this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that, Travis. That's fantastic. Yeah, my pleasure. Hello, race fans. Eric Risen here from YOLO Racing. We are a group of firefighters and friends who compete in the Baja 1000, the toughest off-road race in the world. Every year we do race, we go down and through our charities, Firefighters Without Borders and Vancouver Firefighters Charitable Society, we make donations to needy communities down the Baja through firefighting equipment such as Jaws of Life, Last year, we attempted to donate a completely outfitted pumper truck to a very needy town in La Mission. The truck has made it all the way down to San Diego and is waiting at the border. We are in desperate need of some more sponsorship money to get this vehicle across the border for brokerage fees. We do not have the funds to uh, finalize the transition into there. And the community that is expecting the fire truck is technically unprotected from any catastrophic event such as a wildfire and we, we i can't tell you enough how urgent it is to get this vehicle across we are doing fundraising up here uh through our facebook page through our website we will be doing a couple other events but however long it takes us means that's going to be a delay in getting that vehicle across so if we can raise that money instantly that vehicle will be donated instantly. So if you can, please help us. Look for the donation page on our website or our Facebook page, and that's YOLORacing.com or YOLO Racing Facebook page. Thank you very much for all your consideration and support. We appreciate it. Hey, guys, will you help us make the Adventure Sports Podcast successful? Take a few minutes to rank us on iTunes and leave a review. Subscribe, rank, review. Thanks. <music>
how would you say that that your race running, you know, your car running in the Baja and the Baja itself, how is that a benefit for society? Um, it's kind of a loaded question. Um, you know, <laughs> off-road racing in the desert, probably you're going to get a few people saying that, how does that benefit anyone? Um, definitely, I would say, as, as far as racing in the Baja, I'm not sure if you've been down the Baja, but there are some... Uh, economically challenged towns let's say and the the impact of the races that score international has or any of the other off-road racing has as far as bringing tourism dollars um and just feeding the economy um is is incredible it is a huge economical benefit for the entire baja region um the baja itself is very um sparse and desolate and there's not much going on down there and when we roll in and i say we as in you know we're up there with the rest of the uh, big money teams that spend over a million dollars just on the one race um we're treated equally um all the fans down there treat you I'm, i'm not joking they treat you like you're a rock star or a celebrity even if you're racing a little five sixteen hundred, for them, it the equivalent to this event in Mexico is the same as the equivalent of the Super Bowl in the uh, United States. It's it's amazing the amount of fans that this uh, sport draws and what it does to for the communities. Um, there is a lot of the teams are involved in charity work as well through the racing, um, and obviously too. Uh, we have a the off-road community has a a very strict um what you pack in you pack out so everyone respects the environment uh and uh, the beauty of the baja so i mean that, that should be everyone not just off-road racers but i mean that's something that the off-road community is definitely aware of and and respects everything that we we do obviously the carbon imprint is something people probably don't appreciate but um i don't know i mean <laughs> So unfortunately, that's one negative, I would guess. But overall, I think it's a very positive result, um, you know, affording the Mexicans a, a wonderful, um, you know, events throughout the year and definitely stimulating the economy as well. Not to mention the, the countless charities and groups that are involved in supporting uh, all the people in the Baja. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's well put. You know, I think, you know, sizing it up against the Super Bowl uh, makes a lot of sense. You don't think of it that way, but it really does draw in a lot of crowds, a lot of activity, and a lot of revenue into the area to to help these people out. And that's important to bring that up because you're right. There are going to be um, you know people with concerns about a carbon footprint or whatnot. But I think what is really going on behind the scenes is you know outweighs that uh, that piece of it for sure. I would definitely say it does. Uh, you know, we do all our part to reduce the carbon imprint back at home. Uh, you know, if I can go race, I'll, I'll ride my bike to work a few more times just to reduce my imprint so I can still race kind of thing. You know, we're all aware of it and we're all doing our best, but we do see a lot of positive, uh, work, uh, be it through, uh, charity work or, um, you know, just as- assisting in the tourism of Mexico. There's so many high points to the racing that definitely outweigh the, the, you know, that negative aspect of racing. Right. Right. Okay. How about a funny story? There has to be something that's happened 
that'll give our listeners a laugh before we leave? Funny story. Now that's tough because to be honest with you, um, I'd have to think of that one. I mean, we go down there, um, leaving Vancouver, um, you know, cramming in as much work as we can before, um, and then going down and being as serious as we can. It's not uh, a ton of time for most of these funny incidents. Uh, I don't, I don't, it's it's very game on when we're down there and then immediately after it's over we pack up and we have to drive you know 1300 miles home so oh i i I'm, I'm trying to think of something funny i mean i mean <laughs> probably one of the funny things was i i'd have to look back um going back and looking at the first the first race we did uh and if if you go back um I'd have to, we, we've had some problems with our, our, uh, our website and it used to have a, we've had a different person organizing our website and we lost a bunch of the material from our original website. And it had, um, pictures of us actually, no joke, building the car as we're going to the race. Um, you know, really? stopping in rest areas to take a break, roll the car out of the trailer and start putting parts on the car that have not been put on yet. Uh, <laughs> that's not much of a break <laughs> no uh there's pictures of us in san diego in the parking lot outside an automotive shop you know putting the brakes together um the night before the race that we fired the car up for the first time and uh it was you know very exciting and yes the car ran fantastic it starts um i jumped in the car i turned the steering wheel to try and drive the car and the steering was was rock solid and i couldn't understand it um, we had a power steering. We, we put the power steering in the car. We ordered all these parts through McKenzie's. Um, they didn't come with instructions and in installation manuals. We looked like it and said, oh, this looks like how it goes together. I jacked the front of the car up and I touched the front wheel and the steering wheel spun one way. I touched it the other way, it spun the other way. So basically we put in the power steering unit in reverse backwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then the night before the race, uh, we had to take that all apart, cut the, uh, the steering connecting rods out, uh, weld on new flanges, uh, and then put it all back together. We drove the car. This is no joke. We drove the car around in the complex that we were staying the night. We hit a couple of speed bumps at speed and then probably 4.30 in the morning, we said, okay, let's go. We rolled up to the start line. And that's that's the only test we did on the car before <laughs> the first race. And the car tackles speed bumps. We must be ready for the Baja. <laughs> well, we, we honestly hit the speed bumps and we're like, oh, that's going to hurt. But again, this was our first race. And, and this is, I mean, we hit those speed bumps and it, it, it all the shock went straight into you and through the vehicle. We're like, this is going to be terrible. But it's realizing now that it's an extremely stiff and hard suspension because it's getting worked. And once it gets warm, then it softens up. So right. it, it, it wasn't uh, that bad. And, and going back to the funny parts, um, you know, we're driving and, and, you know, I'm pretty confident in my driving ability. And all of a sudden we get to certain areas and I'm looking at these hill climbs or, you know, silt beds with five trucks stuck trying to get up this hill and I'm in a little beetle and I'm going, okay, so that $500,000 truck can't get up there. How do you expect me to get up there? And, you know, I, I'm honestly, at, at times I made my navigator get out so I would be lighter. And 
And I say, okay, there's four guys stuck here. I'm going to go around them. You get out of the car so we're lighter. If I get stuck, you push. And then I'd get up the hill climb and he'd run up the hill, you know, it'd take him a little bit to get up to where I was and he'd get back in the car and we'd keep going. And <laughs> it was, uh, I honestly got to some of these areas and went, wow. Uh, I never expected that. I don't know why dust of glory didn't have these tough sections in there because I, I basically thought if I watched that enough, I'd be, I'd be prepared for what right. the Baja was going to throw at you. And, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a fantastic movie. But I think uh, it definitely leaves out um, uh, how hard it is. And I think it's extremely difficult to capture that with a GoPro or with a camera. It won't show you the inclines or, or, you know, or the horizon as well. You, you truly can't capture how difficult certain sections are on film. And uh, it, it's, it, there, there are so many sections that are very difficult to get to and film crews other don't know about them or they won't go to those areas because it's so hard to get in and out of um it'll probably take them a day to get in they have to wait for the race to finish so that's a day and a half and then they have to drive out a day so you know a, a lot of film crews will say i'm not going in there that's a lot of work but it's uh it, it's they're, they're i haven't yet seen a, a video that truly encapsulates or captures all the very hard sections that are in it. And uh, it's still an eye opener for everyone. I mean, I was able to take my father pre-running one year and for everyone who chase chases the race, they, you know, they see you take off into the desert and then you arrive at a pit stop or, you know, near the highway section and then they see you go off again. So they don't really know some of these sections. And I was able to take my father pre-running and he was just blown away by how difficult it was and he'd seen all the videos and seen everything and you know he's like i i still can't believe how difficult some of these sections are and i mean that's why i guess why they call it the toughest off-road race in the world so it truly is a, a an adventure and and we love every bit of it so i hope that was funny enough but but i don't i don't have anything else uh no, that's that, perfect that funny because again it, it's it's very serious uh for us obviously we love it and we have fun joking amongst each other and, and, uh, having fun with each other. But, uh, as, as far as a, a hilarious or funny thing, I, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. It'll probably come to me as soon as I hang up and then, then I'll go, gosh, darn, I wish I told Travis about this. That's funny. No, what you gave me was perfect. And I agree. You see a lot of the videos of, uh, of the Baja races. And I think they seem to focus on the speed and how fast people are ripping across a desert and not so much of the technical stuff. But oh. I agree. I would like to see that element of it as well. Hunter, you, you nailed that the nail right on the head on that one. I mean, it is amazing to see uh, these trucks doing 130 miles an hour and they've got three feet of travel. And right. it, it definitely, as far as motorsport goes, you're off road on, you know, on, on, not on a track. Uh, you're basically on a road and you don't know what's coming up on the next turn. The guy in front of you could have spat up a bunch of rocks. So it's completely different than any time you've been on it. It's always changing. And that, and that's the one thing too, you don't, you don't, they don't let you know that, that it's a dynamic race course. Um, after 400 or 400 racers have been on the course, you, if you're racer 400, it's nowhere near what it was, um, you know, four hours ago when the first guys left the line. So you're dealing with massive ruts, a totally chewed up course, cars flipped on the track. It, it, it's changing every second. And, they don't capture a lot of that. So they, they, you know, sure they'll throw some accidents. They'll show the speed, but, uh, some of the silt sections are on there. 
the hill climbs are very hard to capture or the very rocky hill climbs are hard to capture. They, I have seen footage of them, but it definitely doesn't do justice to what what skill is required and what these vehicles are actually capable of. It's, it's truly amazing. You need to get out there and actually go for a pre-run with the team uh, or go out and rent some of the pre-runners or, or do whatever to see exactly how tough it is. Yeah, I think that sounds like a blast. It sounds like another um, dust to glory needs to be made as well. Maybe you need to advise them on that. Well, I, I do concur. And, and <laughs> everyone, everyone, if anyone is listening that's interested in it, if you go to our website, um, we did have a, a couple of our friends come down that are um, in the film industry. And they did, they obviously came down. Um, they were trying to do a story on the donation of our fire truck and what firefighters do and similar questions, what you were asking me, what impact are we having? Uh, and and what are the positive aspects of, of us being involved in this? And it was such a fantastic story that one of my uh, friends, you know, was jumped all over and said, this will be fantastic. I'd love to come down, show the hype of the race, show all the good you're doing, show the donation of the fire truck to the needy town visit the needy town and see how the people are reacting. Um, we picked him up at the airport in San Diego. Uh, the day we found out we were not going to be able to import the truck. And I said, I have some terrible news, Graham. Uh, the fire truck is not uh, going to be able to be transferred over the border and we will not be able to donate it at the uh, award ceremony or the, the start finish line. And he was devastated. He continued to follow the entire race, he chased for the 58 hours. He, uh, along with Lyle Fuller as well, they, they together they took all this footage and he made a, a, a story. And I, I, I just love what he did, especially because he had nothing to go on. Um, and I've spoken to him about it. And I said, you know, Graham, he, it, they're very talented. And I said, for what he put together from what he had, when you look at the making of Dust of Glory, I think there was 250 cameras, helicopters, this and that. Uh, Graham and Lyle had, you know, a bunch of GoPros, a couple of nice handheld cameras, and they made this wonderful short film of last year's race. So I strongly advise everyone to, to view it. Um, it's on our website, um, or if you go, it, it's titled Control-Alt-Delete, which we are going to be changing the name because Graham's not, not getting the Baja reception it should because if you type that in, it doesn't have anything to do with Baja. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but uh, I said to him, I said, you know, I think with, with your skill and what you're capturing, you, you could do another, uh, you know, Dust of Glory movie and, you know, talk about the grassroots guys and, you know, the differences between the classes. What's it like to go 130 miles an hour and what's it like to go 70 miles an hour over the same terrain and then show, like, you know, bring a bunch of guys down that are dedicated to, to going in a day and a half, sitting at these extremely tough locations, filming it, capturing these true things that everyone has to deal with, and then putting that forth and, and capturing what it really is. I mean, I don't want to take any credit away from Dana White or anyone that's made any documentaries. And I can imagine how difficult it is to capture that stuff. But there, there's definitely a story that isn't told yet. You know what I mean? There's, there's stuff out there that you, 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 no one's been able to capture that on film yet, as far as I'm concerned. And, and it would be fantastic if, if someone could. I think it would be a huge hit with the, every off-road racer or gearhead just to see, yeah, okay, wow, that, that actually exists. Because like I said, when, when we hit some of these sections, I was like, 
hey, man, this wasn't on, on Dust of Glory, so why are they throwing this in now? Yeah, is this new? <laughs> yeah. Is it, is they throw a wrench in this. Are they playing with us here? So it was, uh, yeah, it was an eye-opener. And I think uh, if everyone looks at that video, you can see what it was for us, you know, the grassroots guys and, and how hard it was um, and how the team dealt with everything. So check out the video. It's It's really well done. There's another video that we have. Uh, you can go onto YouTube, and it's uh, on Yolo Racing YouTube, and it's basically a slideshow, and it's from uh, the day we we purchased the 1970 VW Beetle in California, the the towing of it home to Canada, and then completely taking it apart, then ordering all the parts, and then attempting to figure out how to build a race car in your your uh, garage with a real book. Um, and you're on the phone calling, uh, Bill Savage at score saying, can I put a cross member here? How thick does this have to be? And that's basically how we did it. We, wow. we had a rule book, we had a bunch of tools and a bunch of parts and we spoke to the guys at McKenzie's most of the time. And then the, the, the guy that inspects our safety cage, um, and then showed up down there and said, this, is this good enough or does this work? And then we tested it and, and it worked. So extremely pleased with that one. So it's, it's a neat little slideshow video and uh, it, Ross Burden made that and, and did a fantastic job piecing that together and capturing what, what it was from day one to the end of the first race. So there's Very lots good. of stuff out there for anyone that's interested in, in the Baja racing and, and the smaller teams, you know. Yeah, I'll have to check out the slideshow. I found the, uh, of course, found the documentary that Graham did on their site, and it it really is really done well. I found myself wanting more, you know, when it ended. So I absolutely encourage him to uh, to go film more down at the Baja and and give us even more of it. It's uh, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, everybody it, needs to go see that. They did. They did an amazing job. Um, I, I like I said, we we haven't had the ta- the luxury yet to, because we did have a bunch of problems with our Facebook site and a bunch of the material that was on it from one of our Facebook providers before who was helping out with it, uh, ended up taking a bunch of that material. So we're trying to rebuild the site and, and, and put most of the stuff back on. And hopefully Saturday, uh, when I sit down with Lyle, my it guy, he can put most of this back onto it and get the readers going. But there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. There's a lot of in-car footage, uh, on YouTube of our car and you can see how hard that little car works. Um, and the slideshow, I, I believe if you punch in YOLO racing slideshow, um, it, it should pop up and it's, uh, it's a great little clip. Uh, the, the gentleman that did that Ross burden, he did a fantastic job making that and Graham's video that Lyle helped out in. Um, again, that's fantastic. We're hoping we can talk him into coming down this year because, the story starting now, I mean, our story now is, uh, you know, every year we've had the intention of showing up with a perfectly prepared car and, you know, work, uh, family, sports, everything gets in the way. And, and the, the days we end up down there where we're supposed to be pre-renting or doing things, we end up working on the car. Um, so this year the car is going to be 100% ready. We're all getting into our fitness uh, programs. Um, we've a set aside time traded shifts to make sure we can all pre-run each section of the course uh and do all our homework cross all our our t's dot all our i's and say okay this is what it takes to be successful other years we never got to pre-run um the course 
the car wasn't ready. So we want to show up with everything ready, our team best prepared. And, and hopefully this year we get that uh, first place that we have not been able to lock down yet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll make sure I'm watching for you in November. I think C- CBS Sports uh, broadcasts the Baja 1000. And uh, hopefully others will join in and, uh, and root for you guys at YOLO Racing. Awesome. You can also, what's really interesting is uh, you can track online um, live. So you can watch the entire race. Uh, most of my guys at the hall, my buddies at the hall and my family, uh, you know, you uh, go to the Score International website and it will give you a Google map uh, and you click on all the, the cars and you watch your little numbered bubble travel on the race course live. Uh, and there's probably a 30 second delay, but we actually use that for information. Uh, we'll have certain individuals watching uh, the computer and texting us on the satellite phones, our position, our speed, are we still moving? Because we can't reach the drivers, the radio communication over mountains and stuff like that is terrible. Right. So it, it lets us keep an idea of what's going on. Like guys will be at work. They'll work all night. They'll look on the screen and go, oh, there's Eric and, and the boys. And then they'll, you know, five hours later, they'll look, oh, they're there now. Um, still going. It, yeah. <laughs> and usually it's, you know, anywhere from 36 to 50 hours, the 1,000, right? So it's uh it's interesting to watch i mean and and a lot of people have obviously friends and family and people who are interested in what we're doing love watching it online and 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 seeing how how successful you can be after if if you think about it the people are like yeah you know i went and did this and then i went out for dinner and i went to a movie and then i came back and oh there you were you're still driving. Yeah. You're still just getting hammered. Yeah, and then I went to bed, and I woke up after breakfast, went for a walk on the seawall, and then I came back. Oh, and then you guys were there, and then you guys finally finished. Like for them to realize, they, they you get a lot yeah. of comments. Like you guys actually drove that whole thing, and you're up the whole time. I'm like yes, that's 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 uh, that's the non-fun part, but it is the fun <laughs> part at the same time, right? Like it's that's right. Completely exhausting, but 100 uh, percent worth every bit of it. Oh, cool. I'm gonna check that one out too. Awesome. Right on, Eric. Well, thanks so much for spending some time and, and telling us all about the Baja. I think uh, it, it sounds awesome. I've always been interested in it, and to have somebody on to give us the really you know the the down dirty details of it, I really appreciate your time doing that. Oh, you're very welcome, Travis. And you're more than welcome to come down and join the team um, if you are at all interested. We will be down in November again. Um, just let us know, and you're more than welcome to come down and check it out. We can probably get you into some of the sections in, in one of the pre-runners. Um, and you're more than welcome to come chase with us if you want. We'll set aside some room in one of the chase vehicles and see what it's like. Hey, uh, careful what you wish for. You might actually lure me into that one. You're, like I said, you're more than welcome. We're a, <laughs> a very open team, and, and we, we love having good people around. Awesome. That's great. And Eric, even though we are living in different countries, I do have to take a moment and thank you and your fellow firefighters for your service and doing what you guys do. If it weren't for you guys, we'd all be in a world of hurt. So truly, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. That's one of the best things people say to us. And we're very appreciative when people do say that. So so thank you. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Take care. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, since this weekend is Independence Day for those of us living in the United States, I just wanted to take a minute and wish you a safe and happy holiday from Kurt and myself, your hosts of the Adventure Sports Podcast. Be safe, have fun, and enjoy the outdoors.